Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Big Screen, your movies review and discussion podcast. And I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I'm the other one, Corwin Heller. And it is, as we're recording this, Monday, April 26th, which means the Academy Awards, the Oscars, as you basic bitches might know it, has finally happened. Happened last night. There were some surprises. Um, quite a few of our guesses were quite accurate. Um, and uh, we have lots to discuss. Uh, some controversial ongoings. So before we... Uh, actually, uh, yeah, I mean, Corbin, unless you got anything to say, you ready to get going on it? Uh, did you physically watch the entirety? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I was busy and therefore watched absolutely not a second of it. I also did not watch a single second of it. Uh, and given that's the case for both of us, you know, I'm sure that there's speeches and moments and performances and whatnot that are worth discussing that we're obviously not going to get to because, hey, we didn't fucking watch it. Um, but at the same time, it is mostly about the winners and losers where, you know, I'm, I'm, I heard some really great speech bits of speeches from Daniel Kaluuya and from Regina King, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, I if you're looking for a discussion on broader the Oscars ceremony, uh, you've come to the wrong place, I'd say. Agreed. All right. Well, so because the Best Picture Award really wasn't much of a surprise, I say we just start top down. Sure. Go with it. All right. Uh, so Best Motion Picture of the Year. Once again, I'll read out the nominees and then the winners. Uh, no, I won't. I'll just read out the winner. We did the nominees last episode. So the winner of this award was Nomadland for Francis McDormand, Peter Spears, Mollier Asher, uh, Dan Janvey, and Chloe Zhao. Um, now, Corwin had this award, award as his vote getter and his winner. I had this vote. I had this award. Fuck, I had this movie as my expected winner, but I didn't, wouldn't have voted for it. So we hit this one pretty much on the screws. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I, really no surprise here. Right. Yeah. It's one of those things where when I heard it, I was in no way surprised and was happy that it won by all means, there was still a little part of me that was like, man, I kind of wish the father took it just like objectively i don't know if I, I still am so torn between those two i just there's probably never gonna be a time where i'm 100 confident like yes nomadland is the best picture from this year but at the end of the day it wasn't promising young woman uh and it wasn't trial of chicago seven so i will sleep easy tonight uh, and i'll be happy yeah i I, this is an easy movie to vote for. I don't think it's a controversial nor exciting pick necessarily. That's not to say that there aren't um, reasons to be excited about it. Frances McDormand became um, the first actress to be nominated for both acting and producing for the same movie. That's cool. Mm. Um, Chloe, Chloe Zhao winning this film as an Asian American is really cool. Um, however, I, I don't think this is a very... This is not a very bold pick for the Academy Awards. This was definitely the most Oscars-y movie. Like, this was the Oscars-y movie I think everyone... I mean, we predicted it to win it because it felt so fucking Oscars-y. And <laughs> the Academy Awards manages to do 
almost exactly what you fucking expect them to do. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great movie. Great movie. Absolutely nothing wrong with this. I have no complaints. Not what I would have voted for, but no complaints. Sweet. All right. What's up next? Now, let's just keep going down. I have the IMDb page for the 2021 Oscars open. Um, so next up is best performance by an actor in a leading role. And this was a mildly contentious um, choice because the Academy Awards. Oh, man. Do they just look for ways to shoot themselves in the foot? <laughs> um, so the winner of this award was Anthony Hopkins. Now, the way Corrin and I both shook this out was we both would have voted for Anthony Hopkins, but we're both expecting Chadwick Boseman to win. And apparently that was the rationale of (laughs) the entire Academy Awards because they structured the ceremony, which traditionally has best picture as the final award to cap off the night by having best lead actor be the final award with Chadwick Boseman's wife on standby with the presumption that he would win this award and give and let the finality of the moment be a retrospective on the career of Chadwick Boseman as done through this film and some speech from his wife. Mm -hmm. And he did not win. Now going strictly based on results, I am content. I'm perfectly happy. I I liked Anthony Hopkins as I and I both loved Anthony Hopkins in this. It is so shitty though. The Academy Awards would the Academy would do this without checking first, like just right. making sure. But give me your take like, on a core one. On one hand, I can appreciate the almost integrity. I feel like that might be the right word where they don't spread this out beforehand to you know to keep it surprise. I guess I don't know what the you know genuine reason for why they want to keep it tight-lipped well, other than hold on. just I'm going to have to disagree show. with you because someone has to write the winner in that fucking envelope. Right, but I imagine that's <laughs> you know like I mean? a very tight-knit group of people. I just... Of all years to say, hey, let's split this up. Like, let's, let's take a peek. Let's actually, you know, decide the order based upon whether or not he was voted in or, you know, voted to receive the award. I mean, come on. You you just kind of set yourself up for, like, straight-up humiliation at this point. Like, yes, I am happy that the best performance won the award for best performance. Do I think Anthony Hopkins would be upset if they gave it to Chadwick Boseman? No. Do you think if... They even went to him and be like, hey, even if you get voted in, we want to you know, make this really special for him, his family and his legacy. Like, would you concede the award to him? Like, even if it doesn't have to be, you know, public, I'm sure Anthony Hopkins would be like, yeah, deep down. I know I won, but this is for him. This this is for the betterment of cinema and, and the people who watch his films, who watch my films, who watch all films having him win it would be a truly historical special moment. And because they went out of their way to highlight and accentuate that having it fall short is. Oof. It's sad, you know, like it's, it's disappointing. It's, I feel like it's 
unnecessary that we're even at that point. If they did it like normal and they gave it to Anthony Hopkins, you know, hour and a half into the show, okay, I don't think anyone would actually care and be like, you know what, that's fine. They did it. They gave it to, you know, we can't argue Anthony Hopkins didn't deserve this once we saw the film. Okay, everyone's happy. No one's really upset. A couple people might be annoyed. Like, ah, oh, I should have gone to Chadwick. Oh, for his legacy, which I would have had no issue with. We've talked about this. I think we both would have loved to see that just for, just for the sake of having that be a piece to talk about and having that be a piece of his legacy. But here we are. Yeah, I mean, I wish it's it's so funny that we're talking about um, basically poor storytelling <laughs> with the Academy Awards, um, but it's already a dramatic ceremony. It's already a big moment. They didn't need to try to make emphasis of that by reorchestrating the entire way the proceedings go in order to add dramatism to what is already a dramatic moment. And by doing so, the letdown, I mean, this is the biggest bundle bungle in Academy Award history, including a few years ago when they said the wrong name of the best picture winner at the Oscars. Because saying the wrong picture, the wrong film for announcing best picture um, is like 30 seconds worth of embarrassment. And then everyone just kind of moves on. Whereas this like is genuinely kind of fucked up. Um, genuinely rather fucked up because of all the orchestration that went into making this fuck up actually happen and who it's affecting. Um, and it's a shame because it really detracts from the great performance that Anthony Hopkins has in, in The Father. And it makes it, I think it detracts from the conversation around Chadwick Boseman in both this film and his career by making the story of Chadwick Boseman and the Oscars, um, the fact that they built up a win and then he didn't win. It's, it's one thing to not win at the Oscars. It's another thing to have everyone go, holy shit, he didn't win. He didn't win. He didn't win. He didn't win. Um, like that sucks. And it's not the story of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom where, you know, Chadwick Boseman's not, uh, not performance was nominated from, and it, it shouldn't be the story of the night. And the Academy Awards just loved shooting itself in the foot and made it so. Um, but this was a great performance. I, I mean, it, it's sad that it seemed like such a layup that Chadwick would take this award that I would assume the entire voting body or some majority of the voting body of the Academy ended up voting with what they genuinely thought was the best performance instead of the film that they thought would have, I don't know, the biggest impact. And that ended up being the father, but uh, fucking hey, man, who the fuck knows? It's uh, it's such a bad look, but oh well. All right, um, I'll say this to best actress in a leading role. The winner of this award was Frances McDormand, her second Academy Award uh, that she has been uh, mentioned for. Corwin had this as both her vote getter and his vote getter and his expected winner. I had Viola Davis for both of those. Um, this was not a surprise at all. This was another like super safe bet. Um, Corwin, what do you think about Francis McDormand taking home this one? I love this performance. I love Francis McDormand. Uh, what I said was I am not black. I don't think anyone here is surprised by that fact. And 
at the end of the day, the performance of Francis McDormand in Nomadland spoke to me on a personal level and spoke to my experiences, my livelihood, my, my upbringing significantly more than Viola Davis and Andrew Day and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and Billie Holiday. And I don't want that to take away anything from either of those performances or those films. It's just at the end of the day, this is, this is what spoke to me. And if that's not the goal of an actor or an actress to speak to the viewer, to emotionally connect to the viewer, I, I really don't know what their goal would be other than making fat checks. So uh, I'm very happy with this choice. I love the film. I love the movie. I love the actress. Two of those were synonyms, but I'll pass it along to Josh. Yeah, I mean, this is a totally safe choice. This was a really good category in, in, in my mind between Andrew Day, Francis McDormand, and Viola Davis. Um, again, writing off Vanessa Kirby and Carey Mulligan, not that I think it's necessarily their faults, but writing them off because of factors we mentioned. In the last episode, uh, yeah, I don't think anybody can really complain about Francis McDormand winning. Obviously, there are preferences built in. That's hey, how voting works. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this, again, felt like a very Oscars-y performance, and the Academy Awards did the thing in which they did exactly what you expected them to do. So, yeah, there we go. Uh, all right, so let's take it down to Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role. This award went to Daniel Kaluuya, and Corbin and I had Daniel Kaluuya across the board for both our vote getter and our expected winner. And uh, really, to no one's surprise, he won. Um, do you have anything on this one, Corwin? Yeah, I mean, this one, I think both of us kind of viewed as a bit of a layup. You know, we love J- Daniel Kalula's role. God, Kalula. Yep, getting drunk tonight. Um, we both love Lakeith Stanfield. We thought they were both kind of the favorites here, and I'm not at all surprised, shocked, or upset that Daniel Kaluuya won. Um, I did go back and watch his speech, and straight up, like looking at your mom and just saying, "You had sex, and now I'm here," is one of the funniest ways to go about giving an acceptance speech. I was a fan. I was a fan of that one. Yeah, he's a really cool dude. I I think he's a really cool dude. Um, yeah, this is this was a layup because here's a movie with a great message, a message that is very you know present today, can be felt very readily today, and was immensely deserving of the award that it got. Again, there is a contention around with this category: who is the main actor in this film? <laughs> who is the lead actor in this movie? Um, but that to the side, Daniel Kaluuya earned this. This um, I know it was like everyone was saying he was going to get it the whole time, and then he did. So, again, not really a surprise here. But fuck, man, just love to see it. This one is one of the happier layups um, that I've seen. So let's take it down to Best Supporting Actress. This award was won by Yu Zhang Yun uh, from Minari. Corbin had his vote getter and expected winner to be Glenn Close. I had my vote getter to be Olivia Coleman, but my expected winner to be Yu Zhang Yoon. So points to Josh. Um, yeah, what do you think about the our, our lovely, lovely grandmother from Minari taking home this award, Corwin? I mean, again, 
I can't really say I'm upset by this. I mean, I th I thought Glenn Close gave the best performance overall and the most powerful performance overall out of uh, the five women nominated. But <laughs> Yu Chung Yoon was so unbelievably funny and just so naturally funny that I can't be upset. I mean, you watch her speech and just watch her flirt with Brad Pitt and it's like, this woman is electric. She is just a show stealer every time she shows up i can't wait to see what she does next as a follow-up to this and um man i just she might have been my favorite part of minari and she was definitely my favorite part of the oscars so i am super happy that she won i hope people who have your level of excitement for her next project um follow through with that if the project is still in Korean or is like a mm. Korean production. Cause again, I mentioned on the last show, um, Korean cinema is fucking amazing. Fucking amazing. Everyone should be watching Korean shit. It's great. Anyway. Um, yeah, this woman was awesome. This woman was so much fun. Um, again, it's great to see uh, long time foreign film actors and actresses get recognition in some light, even though this isn't a foreign film and this is very much so an American production, um, you hope that this slow accumulation of more um, non-English speaking roles snowballs into more global uh, multicultural award nominations for actors and actresses in non-American um, non productions. But regardless, Yu Zhang Yun was... was such a fun part of Minari and, you know, had the heart and the tenderness and, you know, probably the heartbeat of the film, honestly, um, and fully deserve this. And I, 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 yeah, I love it. I'm with it. It's cool. Hell All right. Yeah. So now let's go down to best achievement in directing. And uh, the winner of this award was Chloe Zhao. Uh, Corwin and I both said we would vote for and expected to win uh, was uh, choice was Chloe Zhao. So, uh, this was, again, a huge layup, um, exactly what everyone was expecting to happen, and it happened, so there you go. Uh, Chloe Zhao is the first Asian-American woman to be nominated for Best Director, and therefore the first one to win. Um, <laughs> she's only the second woman to ever win this award. Corbin, do you know who the first one was? Uh, yes, for The Hurt Locker. Yep. Kate... Something. Catherine, Catherine Zeta Jones, Catherine Bigelow. Yeah, thank you. From Bigelow T. Actually, I wonder if she is. No, anyway. Um, again, this was this was such an easy choice, right? Like this was such an yeah. easy choice. Um, yeah, I don't know if, if you got anything. Who directed the father? I I think it was the I think it was the writer. I think it was Florian Zeller. Father directed. Yep, Florian Zeller. I think he should have gotten a nomination at the very least. But at the end of the day, I definitely cannot be upset with Chloe Zhao winning, just as I have yet to be upset by any of these winners. Um, I mean, that was just such a, a beautiful and, and beautifully put together film that how can you not? I am with you. And now let's get into controversy because a movie that Corn and I hated won Best Original Screenplay. Woo! Best written Be story ever. Woo! 
best original screenplay went to fucking promising young woman, which was written by Emerald Fennell. So she takes the homeless award. Corwin had voted for and was expecting to win uh, Sound of Metal. I had voted for Judas and the Black Messiah, but was also expecting Sound of Metal to win. And I think this is a fucking bizarre choice given this category. To go up against Minari, Sound of Metal, and Judas and the Black Messiah, because we're writing off Trial of Chicago 7. Mm-hmm. And for this... For reasons previously stated. Right. And for this movie to take home the writing award? I, 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 I mean, it's a joke. joke. It's a joke. This... I'm, oh, God. Like, if you're going for concept, Sound of Metal is a way more fresh concept for a film. And if you're going for realness, Judas and the Black Messiah is way more real and speaking to a moment that is way more present, even though it's a historical, well, not it's not a historical fiction, but it's a historical retelling. I, I just don't get this choice at all. I said it previously, I haven't been upset by any of these winners so far. I am upset with this one. Straight up, I just do not understand. I I don't understand how anyone could vote this as the best written film out of... I don't know how you could vote. Like, honestly, Trial of the Chicago 7 could easily be considered a more well-written story through and through than promising young woman and that had one of the worst endings that we've either of us have seen in a long time so i am just i am done with that i just can't i can't even i yeah i oh man i hate it i hate it I hate it, hate it, hate it, but fucking oh well. Um, yeah, I guess you, you and I are just destined to be sad with this award. I do not we, think history will be kind to, be to this award. Yeah, truly. <laughs> what are we, the poors? Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, and let's just kick it on down to best adapted screenplay, which was won by the father uh, for Christopher Hampton and Florian Zeller. Uh, Corin and I once again had this across the board for best adapted screenplay. Um, I mean, we talked about this heavily when we talked about the movie. We talked about this heavily in the last episode as we were gearing up for making our predictions. This was so incredibly well written. Um, it really, like, in retrospect, um, after having seen this film, since we saw this last of all the movies we watched, um, or at least episode-wise, this was a cakewalk. I mean, if we watched this first, I don't think we would have been swayed at all by anything else we saw. Um, this was mm-hmm. such such an easy choice. Absolutely. And to this day, I still consider this, to this day, as, this, as if this wasn't like a week ago, uh, still one of the best written films I've ever watched. Yeah, it, it, it's so well done. All right. So that brings us to best achievement in cinematography, which went to Mank, uh, or went to, I guess I should be saying, went to Eric Messerschmidt for the film Mank. 
Um, for this category, Corwin had picked Nomadland as his vote getter and his expected winner. I had picked Judas and the Black Messiah as my vote getter with Nomadland being my winner. We were all wrong. We were wrong. We were both very wrong all the way around. And the fucking black and white movie takes this award. Um, what? Oh, who would have thought a black and white movie about Hollywood wins the award for pretty looking movie? What? I know. And again, like the cinematography in this film is very good. I mean, like they do a good job with framing all of their shots to be part of the greater story that is being told, which I know is just kind of like a broad description of what cinematography even is in general. But it's the idea really that you can sit back and put your feet up and go, they'll pick the fucking black and white one every time. And then they do. That's what's annoying about it is if it wasn't mm-hmm. so obvious, that's what they were going to do when there were more interesting choices, I think to be made there. Uh, but fucking whatever. God, it's so fucking lazy. That's what it is. It's lazy. That's exactly how it feels. Um, yeah. So that will bring us then to best achievement in film editing, which went to Mikkel E. G. Nielsen for Sound of Metal. Uh, Corwin and I had picked the father all the way through, which I still think honestly is the right answer. <laughs> But I do get the choice of Sound of Metal. Um, if I recall from, you know, a measly three days ago, um, this was one of the ones I was between picking for the father and, and uh, or, or I was between picking for this category between the father and Sound of Metal. But um, I do still think the father's right answer. But this film did a great job with, with its editing as well. Do you have anything on this category? This was the first one that like, truly shocked me um i feel like it came a little bit earlier in the night if i'm not mistaken but this was the one that i was like really like if you watch both of those films you look at the editing for the sound of metal and think that is undoubtedly a better edited movie than the father and i just this one stings the most because this is like what the like other than writing like if if the father didn't win writing i think that would have been there but like this one was just so perfect for it and i don't know whatever dude whatever like i get that when you remove a lot of dialogue from a film you know spoken spoken dialogue the way that you present the images then becomes significantly more important because you lose out on part of the easy part of some act happening that you can kind of cut away from and to, because when you, when you do sign language as your action, you have to show the person, you know, you can't just, when someone's talking, you can, you can show like behind them, you know, and still hear their voice and go, Oh yeah, they're talking part of having sign language be present in a film is that you have to show the sign language so that the point comes across, you know, you can't get an inflection from someone's voice to get a sense of attitude. If they're using sign language, it'll become a lot more in how those gestures are performed to get a sense of tone. And so if you don't show them, you don't understand the tone. And so you have to actually show that in the editing while also crafting interesting shots and being dynamic in how you choose which images to present. 
So again, I totally get this. I would still have picked the father, <laughs> but I do get this. Um, this one doesn't sting for me as much as it does for Corwin. I think Prowl's the young woman still chaps my ass the most, <laughs> but um, whatever. Right. That That is overlooked in how wild of a decision it was. Yeah. Oh God. Um, I guess, you know, to, to give, to give everybody their due, uh, even though we didn't talk about the other awards beforehand, because we don't have informed opinions, let's just go through the other categories and just give a reaction to them. Um, cause I think it's easier to talk about surface. Like these are all things that Corwin, let me back up all the awards that we chose and picked out, uh, in the last episode are all things Corwin and I feel as though we can speak even to one level below surface level, you know, like one level in past surface level, all the other awards are, I mean, there are things that you will see in a movie, you know, you'll, you'll see production design and go like, ah, yes, that is the production design. Um, it's tough to have too much of an opinion about it. If you don't know more about it. And that is why we didn't pick those awards, but I think it's, you know, it's surface level enough that we could at least make a point um, of bringing up who won and what you think about it. So let's just go through the other ones just to, you know, see how the rest of these categories shook out. So that brings us to best achievement in production design, which went to Mank. Um, the other nominees were Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, News of the World, Tenant, and The Father. Corwin, what do you make of this choice here? Um... Uh... Yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't given nearly enough, I guess, thought into it. Like it, it has. You certainly really... do not have to have an opinion here. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I have no opinion here. I feel like they went with the movie with the most set and was like, "Yeah, I just picked that one." Right, like I'm like in my mind, I am trying to like picture what everything looked like as a whole. And at the end of the day, I just I don't know, it's Mank didn't really do anything for me. Well, again, it's it's like the Academy Awards picked the for, for the category about how does all your shit look, they pick the award that looks like where they work. <laughs> yeah, for real. Like, the father was effective in its limited space, and I appreciate that a lot. There's a lot in design, you know, in a contemporary way rather than just a grandois, you know, massive set. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is similar. Like, it does a good job of setting the tone, but it's just kind of... You could put it anywhere, and it, it would have been the same for me. News of the World was, you know, beautiful, but uh, I don't know. It, it's it's what you would expect. It didn't do anything special. I feel like Tenet should have won this just based off of the genuine creativity, the just variants like the the spread that they had and everything was absolutely well done i don't know again make is just them jerking themselves off so especially in the categories that they're giving this award or this film awards for that that's what bothers me about it i i, I probably would have gotten the father here 
just because that film relies so much on the space it's in and using what is, I mean, a large apartment, but only an apartment to build a sense of home as well as displacement, maybe. Um, I think News of the World was mostly just fucking desert and like shacks. Um, Tenant probably gets overlooked a little bit because it's an action movie. And My Range Black Bottom has like two locations. It is the upstairs and the downstairs, um, which is not like, I don't think it's like bad. It's just, I think they wanted, if I had to guess, people are looking for something a little bit more because more is always better, but whatever. Of course. All right. So that brings us to best achievement in costume design. This award was won by Anne Roth for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Also nominee, nominated were um, Trish Somerville for Mank, Massimo Cantini Perini, which is a hilarious name, uh, for Pinocchio, uh, Bina Dagler for Mulan, and Alexandra Byrne for Emma. Um, Corwin, do you have anything to say on costume design going to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom? I feel like that one's one of those layups that's just yeah, it's expected. None of these other ones are even anywhere close to something that speaks to me in any way. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I didn't see I didn't see Pinocchio or Emma. Actually, I didn't see Milan either. I didn't feel like paying for it. Um, so I can really only compare this between Marine's Black Bottom and Mank. And Mank is a lot of guys wearing suits and girls wearing dresses. And Marine's Black Bottom, the outfits that they're wearing are very much so more tailored and specific to the people and the story that those people are telling um you know in the very limited cast setting that there is whereas mankas have a lot of like we wear suits because it's 1930 and everybody fucking wears black suits so yeah but anyway all right best sound nominees were a whole bunch of people for sound of metal a whole bunch of people for Mank, a whole bunch of people for Soul, a whole bunch of people for Greyhound, and a whole bunch of people for News of the World. So we had two different Tom Hanks vehicles here. Um, Tom Hanks wrote this movie? Oh, okay. Um, and anyway, um, sound, again, Sound of Metal won for Best Sound. Funny about a guy going movie, but a guy going deaf. Um, do you have anything uh, to say about this one, Corwin? I mean, this is quite arguably the easiest choice for anyone to make i mean is there like i know we talked about and mentioned that previously where it's like all right like oh this was meant for this like oh this is a great fit but like literally it's a movie about a guy going deaf and everything involved with it this is meant for this like this movie was designed and built around winning this award Happy they got this one right. Yeah, I don't really know what goes into sound in terms of whether this is the, you know, technical, how'd your sound sound, or if this is how was your sound used to further the story of the film? Um, Because I can't really speak to the first one because I don't know. I mean, like I record music and shit, but like, I don't know what, the technical details are that they'd be looking for. So I have no grounds to make a guess there, but the use of sound and sound of metal is like the whole fucking movie. So yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Like if that's what this award is, then yeah, kind of a kind of kind of, kind of a layup there, but all right. So let's take this into best achievement in makeup and hairstyling. 
the nominees were um, several people for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, a few people for Hillbilly Elegy, people for Pinocchio, Emma, and Mank. Um, again, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom won this, which I think if, uh, uh, totally makes sense. Yeah, completely agree. One of the other reasons I think it makes sense for Marines Black Bottom to take some of these types of awards, these like, you know, more general production style awards, is that the uh, if there's this one other thing the Academy fucking loves. It is a period piece. The what? Academy loves to see shit that happened a long time ago. Um, and Marines Black Bottom takes place in the 1930s, as did Mank, but you know this one's in color. Um, so I, I am not surprised it's also taking home some of these because the Academy loves shit that done be old. Um, and this is. So there you go. Also, I mean, were you aware that they made a fucking Pinocchio movie? Nope. Yeah, I, I had no fucking clue, man. But whatever. All right. Uh, best achievement in music written for motion picture original score. Um, the winner was Soul. Uh for uh, Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, and John Baptiste. Um, and Trent Reznor was also nominated for Mank, along with also Atticus Ross, up against themselves in this category. Uh, James Newton Howard for News of the World, Terence Blanchard for Defy Bloods, and Emil Mosetti for Minari. Um, what do you think here, Corwin? Somebody ask me what I think, motherfucker. Answer your own damn questions. I'm giving you the opportunity to speak first. Speak your truth, son. No, you go first. Uh, I yeah, sure. I mean, they they picked the movie about the guy who plays music. Um, and again, it might be a bit reductionist, but I also have to imagine that the people who vote for Academy Awards are significantly stupider than you'd want them to think that they are. Um, because in reality, everyone's a little bit stupider than you think they are. You know, yeah, I remember when you were a kid, you assume everyone in the cor- corporate world's like a genius. Like, you work at a big company. Half the people I work with on a daily basis are fucking morons. I'm surprised they know how to wipe their own ass. Um, and if you put a bunch of surface-level morons in charge of voting for shit, they're going to pick sing- things that sound obvious. A movie about a guy who plays piano is given the best motion picture <laughs> original score uh, award. And you know what? Again, they're not wrong. None of these, I think, would be poor options. I think if I had to vote, I might have voted for Defy Bloods. Um, but... Again, this this is a good choice. Um, and also, go Nine Inch Nails. I didn't realize they were working out here like this. So, good for them. Yeah, I mean, Trent Reznor, uh, fucking whatever. Um, he does, like, everything now. It's great. I love seeing it. This is his second but, Oscar. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's, again, it's a movie about music. It's going to win the music one. Uh, I, I really liked Soul's um, score. Uh, Manx, Minari's, and News of the World really didn't leave any impression on me. No, the Five Bloods a little bit, but nothing much. Whereas Soul was the focal, the focal point of the entire film. So I get it. Right. All right. Best achievement in music written for motion pictures original song. The winner was the song "Fight for You," written by her, Demile and Tiara Thomas for Judas and the Black Messiah. Other nominees were Husavik, written by Savannah Kotecha, Max Gran, and Ricard Gorenson for Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga. Um, 
other also nominated was Speak Now, written by Leslie Odom Jr. and Sam Ashworth for One Night in Miami. The song IOC uh, by Diane Warren and Laura Pausini for The Life Ahead, which actually that's the first appearance that movie's made. Um, and the song Hear My Voice, written by Celeste and Daniel Pemberton for The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Um, I guess Corwin's getting tired of going first, so I'll go first. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the her one was a fucking layup. That song has been everywhere recently. It's a great song. It's a song that captures the movie very well. That me- But that means that it's a song with a very prescient message. And I think Speak Now is as well by Leslie Odom Jr. But I also think that Fight For You has a little bit more mind share by being a little bit more in the, um, the what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, there's a word I'm looking for on the tip of my tongue. I can't think of what it is. doesn't matter. But it, it's a, it feels like it's a little bit more kind of out there in the ether for people to experience separate from this film, whereas I don't think Speak Now got quite the same attention. So this, again, feels like an easy choice. I honestly don't think I could pick a single one of these songs. Like, I can't think of a single one of these. I don't know any of these songs. They all mean nothing to me, just as words here. Fucking bitch. Uh, I would get Fight For You up on my, like, Spotify in, like, some certain, like, playlists or shuffles that I would do at the gym, but that's about it. Um, All right, well, let's take it to Best Achievement in Visual Effects. This is, I think, the only award Tenet ended up actually winning. Um, It was other nominees for this category were Love and Monsters, (laughs) Um, Mulan, The Midnight Sky, and The One and Only Ivan. Yeah, those are movies. Uh, yeah. So if I had to guess, based on you know not having seen any of these other movies, I have only seen Tenant. I'm gonna guess that Tenant had the biggest budget and the most people saw it, and that's what they voted for. Because again, yeah. people suck. I cannot even begin to imagine what any of these other films even look like, let alone the effects in them. It's one of those things where it's like, all right, we didn't see the movies. We can only vote for the one we saw. That's kind of how it goes. That's how it goes here. Or at least put the effort in elsewhere. Yes, sir. I'm going to skip past, or I'm not going to ask really any questions about the next couple of categories because they're actually about films that I think probably warrant some discussion. Best documentary feature was won by My Octopus Teacher. Other nominees were Collective, Crip Camp, The Mole Agent, and Time. I would actually like to see a few of these. I saw Collective, which I did not love narratively, but thoroughly enjoyed as, um, because I I had a deep interest in the subject matter, but um, I'm very much so interested in watching the other ones. So there's really nothing for Corwin and I to say here since we didn't watch these movies, but we're already going through the list and might as well shout them out. Uh, Best documentary short subject uh, was won by Colette, um, that's the name of the film. Other nominees in this category were A Concerto is a Conversation, A Love Song for Latasha, Do Not Split, and Hunger Ward. I actually haven't heard of any of these, and if I can find them accessibly, I'll probably try to watch them. It looks like A Love Song for Natasha is on Netflix. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, Best Animated Feature went to Soul. Uh, other nominees were A Sean the Sheep Movie, Farmageddon, <laughs> wow. Onward, over the moon and wolf walkers. Now, Corwin, this is somewhat a, a, a point of contention 
within certain sectors of the um, film internet spheres is that Pixar basically always wins this category. And do you care about that being the case? So I will pose that question to you. I mean, when it comes to something like high quality animation at this level, I think it's weird that they win it every year. I don't think it's weird that a massive studio with massive budgets consistently hires the best animators and writers and puts out the best films. Um, is it weird that it's every year? Yes, that's kind of shocking. That's not how probability works. Um, but I don't think it's crazy. I just think it's like, all right, come on now. You know, I mean, it. you got to consider, in my mind, you got you to consider the medium. Because the only two studios that will ever consistently win this award are Pixar and Studio Ghibli. And the reason, those are usually the only two studios that win this award, those are the only two studios that make their films for adults and kids. Because by and large, when you see an animated film is coming out, it is meant for children. And it is specifically targeted towards children in that uh, if you're an adult watching it, it sucks. And if that's the case, and you're making all these movies directly for children, but you have adults voting for them, they're going to vote for the ones that are most targeted towards them. Is that how it should be? Not necessarily. Again, I'm not claiming any of what I'm saying is the way that anything should go, but I think that there's a realistic chance that that is how this shit is done. Otherwise, why would they keep winning these awards? Another thing to consider, when you're making movies for adults as well as kids, chances are your movies is going to be better. You know why? Because you're going to have to try harder. Yeah, kids are fucking stupid. Kids will laugh at almost anything. I've worked with kids for so long. You can, like, insult them, and they think it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like, you can you can just go up to them and be like, Hi, I'm Josh, and I'm 26. And they'll think that's the funniest fucking thing they've heard that day. Kids are stupid as shit. Yeah, and your kid. Your kid's dumb, too. All kids are dumb. That's what makes them fucking amazing. <laughs> that's why I love kids. They're stupid as shit. They're the best, funniest, little stupid motherfuckers in the world. It's great. But it is yeah. hilarious how dumb they are. And then you meet a smart one and you're like, oh, shit. What? Oh, shit. You learned. You're going to Harvard one day. What? Dude, you're straight up smarter than I am. Even if it's not true, it feels that way. I know what you mean. When you meet a smart kid. Yep. All right. Um, so anyway, then let's take it into best animated short film. Uh, again, Corn and I, we didn't watch any of these, but this would be nice to try to watch. It, short film is a great category to seek out when you have the time, because these movies tend to be under 30 minutes, which means if you like binge watch a show, you can binge watch the entire category in like three hours tops tops. Uh, it, and it's great. You know, they're usually very artistic and a lot of them are very concept driven and, and they're great. The, the short live action and short animated are great categories. So again, I haven't seen any of these, but I'd recommend them um, just based on the fact that they got here. Uh, so the not, the winner was if anything happens, I love you. The nominees, other nominees were Burrow, Opera, Genius Losi or Lochi, not sure, um, and Yes People. So check them out. Which also brings us to Best Live Action Short Film. Uh, the winner was Two Distant Strangers, which is a movie I heard a lot about but didn't actually see. So I'm probably going to look this one up at some point. Um, 
But anyway, uh, also nominated was Feeling Through, The Letter Room, Pre The Present, and White Eye. So again, check out the short film categories. They're great, and you can watch. You can watch all 10 movies in legitimately under a day, and it'll be a good day, and you will feel better. Also, The Letter Room stars Oscar Isaac, which that's neat. Um, yeah. The last category is best best international feature film, which went to another round, which is one of the films Corwin and I watched because it was nominated for um, one of the writing categories and the directing category. So not a huge shock that it ends up taking home this award. Corwin and I kind of said that would be the case, um, especially not a surprise since it got nominated for several other awards, whereas these other ones didn't necessarily get the same love. Um, the other nominees were Collective, which was also nominated for Best Documentary Feature, um, Better Days, uh, Quo Vadis Ida, and The Man Who Sold His Skin. And those films are from, respectively, Romania, Hong Kong, Bosnia and Herzegovina, and Tunisia. And, um, Is that how you pronounce that country? That's how I'm pronouncing it today, because I have no yeah. fucking clue. Yeah, I don't um, know. I don't Ugh, fucking give up. I know. Another round coming out of Denmark, by the way. So, and so, yeah, that's all of them. Uh, we had two Gene Hirschholt Humanitarian Awards, which went to the Motion Picture and Television Fund, which feels like you jerked yourself off and said you had sex. Um, and also Tyler Perry. So, shout outs to you, Tyler Perry. Hey, Tyler Perry, you are a good dude. You make bad movies. Yep, you gotta you gotta love Jesus a little bit less, my friend. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. And maybe hey, stick to one one character next time. Just one. And and you know what, Tyler Perry, when he wants to, is a very good actor, and I would yeah. love to see more of serious Tyler Perry because he, when he yeah. was in uh, what was that Gone Girl? Gone Girl. I was just gonna say that. Yeah. Like, genuinely surprised me as a film or like as a role. Was he was like, great. Wow, like, you are very good at this. He yeah, should genuinely nice. do more serious shit. I would love to see Tyler Perry do more serious shit. And that's not me saying he should necessarily stop doing, you know, the Medea stuff and like all the other shit that he made him famous and everything. Because if he enjoys doing that shit, then, you know, you do that shit. But I was saying me, Joshua Tracy, I would love to see Tyler Perry take on some more serious roles because I think he, from that brief, small bit part in um, Gone Girl, I thought he was fucking phenomenal. So, um, yeah, yeah. So, all right, that's that's all the nominees. That's all the movies. That is fucking it, man. We made it. Mm -hmm. We did it. You proud? Um, something. Do proud? You, yeah, you... I'll be proud. Yeah, it's something. Uh, uh it those fucking words already. Words are bad. It'll be something I tell people, and it's like, hey, like I did this. This was really cool. I'm, I'm proud of this, but. I can't say I'm looking to jump back into it again for next year. So, oh. I'm excited, but yeah, I'm with you. This is this is fun exercise. I enjoy doing this every year, and I'm extra enjoyed uh, or uh, happy. Yeah, <laughs> that I had a chance to actually talk about it with one of my good buddies over the radio waves today. Um, the internet sponsored radio waves. Uh, anyway, so this is it. For the Oscars shit, which means we are back to our regular scheduled programming, back to everyday business, which means Cora and I are back to picking movies at random to talk about, which means next week will be a standard episode where Cora and I pick our new movies, which we'll be doing now. 
I'm going to go first because I pick my shit out, and I'm not confident that you did. So, <laughs> I'm going to pick the new Mortal Kombat movie that's out on HBO Max. It came out last week, I think. Um, and there was a lot of discussion about it, and I've been meaning to watch it, but I've been very busy, so I haven't. And I want to, whether it's good or not, and then I want to talk about it. So, I'm going with that. I genuinely wanted to go something easy to watch and one that I have been wanting to pick for a while now and just haven't quite gotten there. I'm going with The Big Lebowski, my favorite comedy of all time. That's your favorite comedy? Yeah, I fucking love The Big Lebowski. I mean, oh, great movie. Interesting. All right, cool. Cool, cool, cool. So that is um, Mortal Kombat. And the big, I text it to Corwin every week, Lebowski, because we both forget. Uh, and then we text each other on like Thursday night. Uh, hey, what was the fucking movies again? Sometimes we text each other asking what we picked ourselves. Correct. Uh, because I forget often. Oh, dude, all the time. Sometimes if there's a pick that you made that like I really hate, I'll remember it more than I'll remember the pick that I made that I actually wanted to watch. Hey. Um, oh, the big I had no intention Fubo of watching TV. Mortal Kombat, so... Well, hey, now you're going to. Um, all right, man. Well, then, that's it. That's the show. That's the year for the Oscars. Uh, can't wait to see what comes for next year. See if Corwin and I were right, and uh, a lot of shit that was in production and set to be released this season gets put off until next year, and we end up having some stacked categories. But we shall see. It's all about the, the spices, my friend. It's all about the spices. Spice. The spice uh, controls life. Coriander. Turmeric. Cumin. Cumin. Yeah. Paprika. Ooh, that paprika. <laughs> Can't have any paprika. All right, my anyway. My burning just thinking of it. Paprika's sweet. I'm just thinking of all of those spices just kind of together in a big bowl. Ah, Yes. That'd be a wacky combination. Oh, actually, that'd be a pretty normal combination. Anyway, doesn't matter. That's it for the show. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at Big Screen Juice. We never post from there. So if you want to follow Corwin on Twitter, you can do so at Corwin Heller. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. I mostly tweet about the Yankees, and I'm very sorry about it. Um, eh, I'm not. Fuck you. But anyway, uh, that's the show. And until next Tuesday, y'all have a good one. Bye.